I'm Elon Manning, and this is football. This is football. The Dallas Cowboys are going to make the Super Bowl. Okay. Let me say that again. Fix my hair. Fix the hair. Flynn, leave this in. Fix the chair. The Dallas Cowboys are going to make the Super Bowl. A couple of reasons for this. Number one, very simple. If Dak Prescott is your biggest problem on the roster, which if I believe it is, then that's one of the best problems to have in football. He's going to get better. The Dak discourse has gotten completely out of hand. We saw that last week with Trey Lance, where all of a sudden, a guy who couldn't even compete with Sam Darnold is supposed to compete with Dak Prescott. Um, I'd consider knowing ball a little bit more before you start that kind of discussion. Okay. Um, beyond that, I think that Dak just gets discussed differently because he's the Cowboys quarterback. That is how this works. Um, the Cowboys not only get ratings on Sunday, they get a Monday through Friday. So there's a Cowboys topic every hour. And then just kind of the way it works is that half of media in those spots have to take the opposite view of Dak Prescott is good. That's just how this goes. Every single pass becomes a referendum on Dak Prescott's career the franchise, Jerry Jones, the run game, everything. Okay. Everything. Matthew Stafford had 17 interceptions two years ago, won the dang Super Bowl. So yes, Dak Prescott's 15 interceptions last year was bad. Um, but we don't have to make everything into a defining moment. He had a bad season. He'll get better. The roster is better, but that's not just the reason I'm picking the Cowboys make the Super Bowl. I do think Dak is a good quarterback. But beyond that, highest pressure rate in the NFL last year, even higher than the Philadelphia Eagles, who set historic sack numbers. Um, beyond that, Micah Parsons is, I think, on the short list of the best players in football. And if he plays anywhere near where he should, he should win Defensive Player of the Year. Maybe, maybe every year. Philadelphia is replacing two coordinators who they would both want to keep from a Super Bowl season. They are fighting history in as much that only one team since the Jim Kelly Bills has lost the Super Bowl and then returned. That was the Patriots after the Nick Foles game. This is a stacked roster. This is a team that gets discussed in a very weird way. And this is a quarterback who's going to have a bounce back year and change the perception of him once and for all. I'm just kidding. No, people just still do the same, the same stuff they're doing now. But notice I didn't say they're going to win the Super Bowl because that's the Cincinnati Bengals. This one is even easier. Joe Burrow is the biggest culture changer we've seen in recent memory in football. Part of that is the franchise letting him change the culture, which is the first step. Ohio guy has changed the perception of how Cincinnati feels about football. I don't think Bengals fans were used to good things happening at 1 p.m. on Sunday. They probably had the Sunday scaries in a little bit of a different way. But this roster, 75% of the roster from last year is coming back. No team is running it back more. The Bills are tied. By the way, both coordinators are coming back. They shouldn't have. They both should have gotten head coaching jobs this time last year. Joe Burrow has thrown the deep ball. He led the NFL in deep touchdowns in 2021. And last year, defenses sold out to take away the deep ball. He totally changed his approach, carved up cover two better than anybody in football. Okay? He can adjust to anything. T. Higgins, Tyler Boyd, and Jamar Chase all being under contract with an improved line. We can always reverse engineer Super Bowl rosters. What I mean by that is you always look back five years later and you say, of course, this team won the Super Bowl. To me, 
that's the Bengals. They've got these guys. I remember turning on the tape, t- turning off the tape recorder a couple of years ago after an interview with with the Bengals person. They said, "Do not overlook the fact that these guys are here, thriving, young, healthy, buying in. The receivers are as much a story as Joe Burrow. All of this coming together with a defense that is not just well coached but talented. They're swapping out the safeties, but that's that's a, a fine question to have, a fine question mark to have. All of this combines for Joe Burrow." Achieving his football destiny. I believe in football destiny, some version of it. I don't know what you'd call it, but you see it sometimes. Andy Reid and Patrick Mahomes finding each other. Andy Reid, book on him was he couldn't close in the fourth quarter. All of a sudden, he gets one of the best fourth quarter players in the history of sports. Okay? That's written in the stars. Sometimes people find each other. That's Joe Burrow. That's Cincinnati. Joe Burrow is one of the three people on earth, I don't know, who could change everything about football in Cincinnati. He's going to do it. With an exclamation point this year, he wins the Super Bowl. Tickets to the game, merch, meals at iconic restaurants, stays at Caesars Palace. All this can be yours when you bet with Caesars Sportsbook. Win or lose, every bet earns reward credits, which you can redeem across the empire. Now, if you haven't started yet, use the code OmahaFull and then place your first bet up to $1,250. If you win, great, you keep those winnings. But if you lose, you get your stake back as a bonus bet. 21 and up only. Offer valid and must be physically present in Arizona, Colorado, Illinois, Indiana, Iowa, Kansas, Louisiana, Maine, Maryland, Michigan, New Jersey, New York, Ohio, Pennsylvania, Tennessee, Virginia, West Virginia, and Wyoming only. New users and first $10 wager only. Must wager with eligible promo code. Bet amount of qualifying wager return only if wager is settled as a loss. Maximum bonus bet $1,250. Bonus bet expires 14 days after receipt. Tier credits and reward credits will be added to account within seven days after qualifying wager settles. See caesars.com slash promos for full terms. Void where prohibited. Know when to stop before you start. Gambling problem? Arizona? Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP. Colorado, Wyoming, Kansas? Affiliated with Kansas Crossing Casino? Call 1-800-522-4700. Indiana? Call 1-800-9-WITH-IT. Iowa, call 1-800-BETS-OFF. Louisiana, call 1-877-770-STOP. Licensed through Horseshoe, Bossier City, and Hannah's New Orleans. Maine, call 1-800-327-5050 or visit gamblinghelplinema.org. Michigan, call 1-800-270-7117. Illinois, Maryland, New Jersey, Tennessee, Virginia, West Virginia, Ohio, Pennsylvania, affiliated with Harris, Philadelphia. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem, crisis counseling and referral services can be accessed calling 1-800-GAMBLER, 1-888-427-426-2537 or West Virginia. Visit 1-800-GAMBLER.net. New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY-467-369. Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. Hi, it's Mike Greenberg letting you know ESPN Bet is ready to take you through all the biggest sports moments this spring. The official sportsbook of ESPN has exclusive offers and markets from Scott Van Pelt, Stephen A. Smith, and me, plus many more. From the playoff intensity to finally getting out to the ballpark, there's no better time for sports fans. Sign up today. New users get a bet reset up to $1,000 in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. Download ESPN Bet today. What a play. 
Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details. All right, Eli Manning is here, my new boss. A um, couple of things, Eli. Number one, we've talked about quarter zips in the past. I've worked at Omaha for four days. I've not gotten an Omaha quarter zip. Really? It should be in the mail. We have a, we kind of have like a lifetime supply. We just send to you. Um, I, I thought that was in the welcome package, but I'll, well, I'll, I mean, give Peyton. I'll, I'll talk to Peyton. We'll get that figured thank out. Thank you. I mean, I also have a Westchester. So you can just drive it over. I just, whatever, whatever, whatever right. works, whatever is right. easiest. We'll, we'll do it. Um, all right. Uh, you couldn't find a co-host. So we, we, we just saw a couple hours ago, one, one on the internet, you tried out Sean Payton, Mike McDaniel, uh, Jared Goff, I thought Brady had potential, but I mean, it looked like you couldn't even mix him in there. Uh, what happened? You know, no one could just fill that role. Everybody uh, didn't really understand what we were trying to create, what we were doing. There's a miscommunication, um, just understanding some names. We got cursed out a little bit and we just ran out of time after, you know, hours and hours. We had one, you know, Brady was still there. We're like, why even waste the time? Yeah. You know, there's no chance he would fit uh, in with us. And um, and so we just said, you know what, we'll just we'll just stay the two of us and just keep it keep it that way. Mike McDaniel called you terrible evaluators. I know that that, that one hurt the most uh, for sure. But uh, I mean, he did not he did not sugarcoat it one bit. Uh, he was very honest. And, and that was actually maybe the best part of his interview, just the honesty. So you have a sneaky, funny personality that's come out in the Manning cast for the past couple of years. Or anybody in going through this that you, whether it's someone from this, this thing today, or just you've had on that has been funnier than you've expected where you say, okay, I had, to, I interacted with this person in the Manning cast uh, uh, sort of role. And man, I didn't know this person was that funny or this good a guest. Yeah. I mean, I think this is just a great opportunity for me to uh, name drop, uh, you know, of course. But, I mean, former president Barack Obama. I mean, just, I got to interview Barack Obama and I think I was very qualified. I should be interviewing presidents and ex-presidents. I think that's, you know, what I've been trained to do Agreed. my whole life. But I thought, uh, in all honesty, I thought he was, uh, you know, very relaxed. Obviously, he's been president of the United States. He should be relaxed, but, you know, just had a great, uh, great demeanor, you know, taking shots, had the quarter zip on yeah, and uh, he fit right in. So I thought, you know, that was, that was a lot of fun. I think when Peyton and I, you know, kind of started out on this quest to to do this Monday Night Football and in the Manning cast, uh, the the thought of us having a, a president or former president on never never crossed our minds. So that was a, a real thrill. Uh, first thing I did as an Omaha employee was pick the Cowboys to make the Super Bowl. Am I just <laughs> totally off base? Yes, that is that is very off base, and uh, um, that that hurts. That that hurts, uh, especially since you know that's uh, Giants game Sunday night is uh, you know Giants Cowboys at uh, finally at at you know MetLife at our at our home uh, stadium. I feel like my whole career we opened up in Dallas every week, so there's a nice you know turnaround. Uh, let's talk about Daniel Jones here for a second. I do want to talk about Dak Prescott, but um, grew by leaps and bounds last year, got a second contract. I think that there was, it was touch and go for a couple of years there. Um, where is he now on sort of the trajectory of a guy who can win a Super Bowl? What more does he have to do in order to get to that kind of upper echelon to max out his, his specific talent? Well, I think Daniel's, um, you know, he's done, I think he's done a great job every year finding you know, things to improve on. Hey, here are my weaknesses. These are things that are are keeping uh, keeping us holding us back or holding him back. And he's worked on and made improvements and, and uh, you know, and stayed doing the things he does well, you know, and keep doing those things. And last year it all came together. I think this year, you know, maybe really for the first time kind of having 
um, you know, say, hey, you're our guy. We have faith in you and we're going to reward you with this contract now. The GM, the head coach, ownership, the team knows that hey, he's going to be the quarterback um, and he can come in and, and really be that leader uh, that, that you know, he needs to be to, to take over uh, this team. And so it was fun to watch him last year. I think he's going to continue just to grow within this offense um, they've added some playmakers around them at receiver, at tight end, signing Saquon back, you know, done a good job with the offensive line getting guys. So now you got some playmakers around them and, and hey, he can he can have guys to throw to, but he'll still run it when he has to and, and do whatever it takes uh, for the offense to score some points. Uh, do you have your own expectations for them? I mean, the NFC is not that deep. It does not take much to make the NFC championship game. I, I don't know. I mean, I just, it just doesn't just take a couple of guys developing. I mean, last year they had one of the highest pressure, I think the third highest pressure rate in the NFC with a bunch of young guys, all it takes is a little bit of development from uh, even a Cape on Thibodeau to take, take a step forward. Like it doesn't take much for these guys to be actual kind of contenders here. Yeah. And I think the NFC, especially the NFC East has just yeah. been kind of a, a Rolodex of who, who makes sure. the, the playoffs and it seems, or who wins the division um, every year, it seems to flip flop. Obviously, with the with the Eagles having made the Super Bowl last year, mm-hmm. playing so well, um, you know they're they're the team you know to beat, and, and you're kind of kind of got to try to top them, and and to lose to them in the playoffs. I think it showed the Giants and a lot of the players, hey, you know we had a good year, but we're not where we need to be yet. And I think that's the hunger and the drive that kind of kept them in the off season to say we got to get better. We can't just be satisfied with where we are because we have another team in our division. Um, that was better than us last year. We got to try to overtake them. Um, Aaron Rodgers in New York. It's interesting because there were a lot of people at the beginning who said, oh, he's not going to like the New York media. They're going to over overplay everything, whatever. It's just the opposite. Like he's going to love the New York media because they, I, I think the New York media wants to love star players. And, and I think that they obviously, there's a little bit of building up to tear down, especially if you start to, to, to play a little bit. But I think generally, they like myth-making and they like heroes and they like celebrating guys. Um, your advice to Aaron Rodgers in New York is what over the course of the season? Yeah, I mean, I, 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 don't, I try not to offer anybody advice that's not <laughs> asking for it. Um, and so I think Aaron is obviously uh, done very well for himself and, and has, got a, has all this figured out. And uh, obviously, this is kind of like the honeymoon stage of this deal. Of you come in, er- everything's good, and now the season starts. And I think uh, he'll learn very quickly about the New York media. You know, you you win the first game, then hey, you're going to the Super Bowl. Right. It's the greatest thing, uh, greatest player, MVP. You lose the first game. It's terrible decision. This is a bad <laughs> idea. It's a total overreaction either way, like the first, you know, uh, first game or the first five games. And so I think it's it's really just, you know, uh, put that away, sideline it, worry about your team and go out there and just try to, you know, try to win some football games. Was there ever a moment in your career where you just think you just wish you could have just gotten through to the media on something where it was just like, okay, you guys just had this wrong. Was there anything that you thought of in like kind of tabloid culture over the, over the, the, you know, you ruled New York. Was there a time where you're just like, come on guys. I, I think I just tried to, to, Hey, I get answer the questions and then, and then put it away and don't, don't try to overanalyze it. Don't try to see exactly what they're writing, whether they got it right or wrong, or, Hey, was it my, my mistake or his mistake? You know, it's just the only thing that fixes is uh, fixes that fixes that problem is getting wins. If you get, if you get win, all is good. When you're losing, 
you know, they got to write something. It's going to try to put the blame on someone. Uh, I tried to be the guy to like, Hey, I'll take the blame. I'll take the hit. I have the big enough shoulders to, to handle this and try to help some of the younger guys or help some of the other teammates that maybe I'd be worried about them mm-hmm. handling or what their demeanor and they might cause, you know, one bad game to lead into multiple bad games. And I didn't want that. And so I think, um, you know, early on, that was hard to do as I got more accustomed to it and used to it, understanding how this how this game is it works with the media. I got better at, at handling that. With Dak Prescott, um, I, I sort of talked about this earlier in my monologue, but like it just seems to me like the discourse has become totally disconnected from reality. He's still a very good quarterback. Sure. Um, and yet kind of in the way media gets consumed, especially the Cowboys, um, things just get a little bit out of hand and it's OK. It's 15 interceptions. but. Lots of guys get have, have bad interception years and are able to have normal ebbs and flows. Cowboys quarterbacks are not uh, given the same grace. I'd put the Giants in that category as well. Um, how do you view Dak Prescott coming into, not, I wouldn't say a pivotal year by any means, but the media seems to think it is. I think for a quarterback, almost every year is pivotal. Every year is important. Um, just, uh, be, be, you know, and that's just the way it is. And especially if you're coming off a year where maybe you didn't have your best year, you want to have that bounce back year. All of a sudden you have two, you know, tough years, then, 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 then you know, things start start happening and, and you never know where it goes. And so I think Dak is extremely talented. I think he's played, you know, very well uh, in his career. I think he has a lot more uh, good years ahead of him can you know lead a team to playoffs or win a you know, win a championship. He has that that talent, um, and so I like that. Not a long time, you know. It's hard to, you know. I, I root for quarterbacks. I don't root for yeah, teams necessarily in the division. Obviously, Giants are playing the Cowboys. You're not, you know. Sometimes you need those teams to lose to help the Giants. But you know, I still <laughs> root for I, I, I still root for quarterbacks uh, to play well to go out there, have good seasons, uh, to step up in, in critical moments. I just, that's just kind of the, the way I'm ingrained. You, you root for these guys. You, I know how hard it is. And so I feel for them at times. So I think Dak's got a ton of talent and it's hard to win championships. Like, well, you haven't won one in eight years. It's not going to happen. That, that That's obviously not true. That's not the way it works. Uh, uh, you know, I know, know that from, you know, watching my older brother and, yeah, and it, it just takes time. And so there's some years you, you Things are working well. Some years are tough with injuries and different things happening. And so I think he's got a lot of talent and still got a lot of good years ahead of him. I will say if anybody's like under 30 or something watching this or listening to this, nothing will ever compare to the toxic discourse around Peyton Manning when he didn't win like in his first five years. It was unbelievable, Eli. Right. You can't win the big one. Exactly. And then guess what happened? Um, right. You mentioned how you root for quarterbacks. Who's your favorite quarterback to sit back and watch right now? Non-Daniel Jones division, non-Giants division. Like, is there a quarterback who just like, I just love watching this guy do things? You know, I think it's, I mean, it's hard not to say, you know, Patrick Mahomes and what he's doing, but I'd say the other guy uh, is Josh Allen and, and been watching, watching some of his film, uh, you know, we got the Monday night coming up and just some of the, the playmaking ability that he has is, is unreal. And just some of the like bad situations he he's in and that he gets out of it and then creates a play off of it. I'm just watching him like, all right, that'd be a sack on me. All right. They're like, he's hot. He just like pumps fakes the guy jumps. He makes him miss steps up, hits a deep cross. All right, he's got two guys. Is an RPO. There's two guys unblocked, free at him. No one's open. He gets out of it and runs for eight yards. It's just like constant. Like he's in a terrible situation and creates these unbelievable plays. So I think he's 
Um, this tough as nails, uh, hangs in there, throws the ball, you know, down the field, uh, as about as well as anybody. Um, and so he's just a fun, entertaining competitor. Uh, love, love to watch him play. If you could steal any skill a current quarterback has and put it in your career, what would it be? Uh, I'm going to go with the Mahomes kind of like sidearm sling, <laughs> like feet, you know, going the left, you're throwing right, no look. Like, I, you know, it's just a, a different uh, – we never worked on those things. We're always like, hey, you know, those are bad mechanics. Don't work on bad mechanics. Don't throw across your body. He just is like, oh, no, we're going to work on it so I can do it and, and so create plays. And, and so it's like, hey, you know, he, he's changed kind of the way the quarterback position – uh, is being played and and it's it's pretty exciting to watch. It's incredible, and I, I've talked to guys about Chiefs practices, and he makes a bunch of mistakes because he's literally just testing his limits. Like he just right. wants to see, like, what can I do? What will this receiver react to? And people see him practice, and they're just like, okay, he makes. You know, I think he throws a lot of practice interceptions, but but it's because it's in the service of figuring out what's possible. Right, and I think that's you kind of got to figure that out, and through practice, that's that's really where you're supposed to test things out, or you test. Uh, you know, someone's ability to go up and make a play for you. I you know, used to kind of talk about it. I don't know if it was something I was really trying to do or just an excuse. I wanted to tell the coach of why I threw an interception. I was like, well, I wanted to throw the jump ball to see. We always talk about kind of our ball or nobody's. Don't let the right. defender catch it. Well, you can't just do that in the game. You got to see if they can really do it in practice. And and so, but I think he's kind of taken that uh, to the next level as, as long as the coach kind of understands that and Andy reads on the same page. I'm sure he, you know, Hey, you're going to get yelled at or, or coach or corrected on things. But as a quarterback, you got to kind of test yourself and see what you can handle, what kind of plays you can make. And and sometimes in critical situations in a game and, you know, you, you don't have an option, but you have to try to make this throw. You don't want that to be the first time you're making that type of throw. Right. Um, and so he's obviously practiced it and, and does it all the time. What percentage of the times you used that as an excuse was it a legitimate excuse? Um, I'd say, uh, yeah, hundred percent. Hundred percent. It was just an excuse to try to, you know, have something to say to the coach of why <laughs> I was making this decision. I was just trying it out, coach. It was just a, it was just practice testing my receiver. You know, seeing how he's doing. We're gonna have uh, a Photoshop of you throwing sidearm, by the way, with the footwork and stuff like that. We're gonna get that up on the screen for the folks. Uh, I talked to Vaughn Miller a couple of weeks ago, and he said that he's talking about quarterbacks, talking about Josh Allen, how Josh Allen just never goes down, just never goes down. It's a nightmare. He mentioned both Manning brothers as guys who uh, were okay to take take the L. Was his phrase? <laughs> if you were, if he was in a Manning brothers face. Uh, it, it was uh, it, it was not hard from there. Can you tell me your philosophy on sacks? Given given the fact we know, and we'll put a photo up of it uh, in you know obviously the David Tyree catch. You had one of the most uh, famous escapes in history. What was your philosophy generally? I, I think it changed over time. Early early on, I thought I could get out, prove that I could get out of of sure some did. and scramble around. And then as you get older, it's like all right, I, I can't get out anymore. And so <laughs> all of a sudden now it's harder. I'm, I'm stumbling the balls out and it can lead to a sack. I mean, it can lead to a fumble, sure. a turnover. So it's like, hey, let's just, you know, I'm in a bad situation. This guy's coming free. Let's not get the, the turnover. Let's not take a brutal hit like right to the face and, and injury. I got to stay healthy. And, you know, it's like, you know, you got to try to create, you know, find a way to finish the season and not turn a bad situation into a terrible, worse situation. It became the mindset over time where, hey, sometimes you got to take the sack. And I think that's just you know, coming a veteran and, and just trying to figure out how to, you know, uh, how to survive and, and just move on. And, hey, sometimes punting 
is, is not the worst play. I hear that. That's a, that's a philosophy shared by many in football, including Iowa football. Punting is not the worst thing in the world. Last thing for you, Eli, giving you the floor. We're doing a segment called Badasses, which is the most badass person you ever played with. So that could be toughest guy in the world. That could be just a guy who would call his shot on the field. That could be just a guy who played through injuries. It doesn't matter. Um, you have the floor to spotlight the most badass guy you ever played with and a story about why. Oh, I mean, I just think, um, you know, this is hard just because, you know, you're going to leave out somebody, but we had a couple, you know, a couple running backs with Ahmad Bradshaw, mm. Brandon Jacobs, you know, both those guys, you know, if I was ever to go into a fight, I'd want those guys on my side just because I think you would have to literally kill them to get them to stop. Coming <laughs> at you. And so like, that's what I think of just tough plan through injuries, run hard all the time and, and just, uh, you know, we're always there for you. They might they might miss a block every once in a while. They might miss a protection or not know a call, but they're going to run hard. And if someone comes in their way, they're going to hit them hard. And, and they're just uh, tough as nails. So love having those guys next to me in the Can back. Can you give me the best moment for both of them? Um, well, I think um, I think Brandon Jacobs, I just think the we're in Green Bay, NFC Championship game. Uh, first play of the game, we run outside, uh, and he, he, you know, meets, uh, Charles Woodson mm. about four yards down the, uh, down the field. And I, I think Brandon, it's like, he never even knew Charles, Charles Woodson was there. Just like totally <laughs> ran right through him. Like Woodson kind of bounces off and just set the tone for, for that game, negative 24 degrees, uh, in, in the Lambeau. So that, that was, you know, I think this, you know, just kind of his signature play that this describes Brandon. I think Ahmad, obviously, um, uh, he had one versus the Jets, uh, 2011, uh, late in the year. We got to win these, we got to win week, you know, 16, uh, or week 15, I guess. Uh, we got to win that game to stay alive in the playoffs. Again, another run. He, he runs right through a safety uh, at the goal line, just plows through him, um, goes into the end zone for us to kind of take the lead and, and keep the lead to win that game. So just two iconic plays for the both of them. I love that. We're going to put them both on the cork board back here. There's also a photo. I have it back here. I haven't put it up yet of, uh, of John Mara giving you a game ball that's back here. We're going to put it up. Uh, nice. My Wi-Fi printer wasn't working today. They're impossible to set up, Eli. They're impossible yeah, to set up. I know. Eli Manning, thank you so much for coming on This Is Football. I appreciate you, man. I appreciate it, pal. The big question, how is what's going on in college football going to impact the quarterback market? in the NFL. No, this is not about Stanford joining the ACC. All right. Going around the NFL, my camp tour a couple weeks ago, I found something pretty interesting. I was asking guys, decision makers, scouts, whomever, if the transfer portal is changing anything about the way they view the draft. The answer generally broadly is no. They don't really care if anybody switches teams. They don't really care, by the way, if they, anything NIL, just nothing. They do not care about that. They assumed, by the way, players were being paid for 100 years, which is true. So really, an NFL GM, an NFL college personnel guy, they don't really care if there's rumors about a guy switching schools for $200,000. Not a thing, okay? Um, but there were two things that kept coming up. Number one is there was a slight worry from the NFL that the over-recruiting that happens now in the NFL, excuse me, the over-recruiting that happens in college will trickle its way to the NFL. Here's what I mean by that. There used to be a process of de-recruiting when you got on campus. Nick Saban would do it. Kirby Smart would do it. Urban Meyer, whomever. 
they would be a five-star player. They would kiss their butts in, in living rooms. They'd get to campus and they'd say, you're nothing. You're ninth on the depth chart. You're running scout team, whatever. That's not necessarily possible now with the transfer portal. Practices have to be a little bit different. Motivation techniques have to be a little bit different because a player can say, you know what, Nick Saban, I'm actually going to go play for Shane Beamer. I'm actually going to go play for Tennessee. I'm actually going to go play for USC. It can happen now. Um, it's just, that's, that's it. It's, it's the wild west. And so NFL personnel guys have said, they're noticing a little bit of difference as far as a camp mentality coming in and, and guys who maybe have higher expectations of themselves than they have, they, than they, they have in the past. I don't know. There's a, a thing that a couple of GMs had mentioned to me. Now, I don't think that's necessarily a bad thing. Um, this is the player empowerment era across sports. If NFL players have a certain view of themselves because they were never de-recruited by Josh Heupel, that's fine. That's not that big a deal. But then there's the positive, and this came up a couple of times, and this far outweighs what I just mentioned. Quarterbacks are getting more shine, more opportunities, and the systems to thrive. You saw this a little bit last year with Hendon Hooker, who would have been drafted even higher had he not had that injury. Um, he was at Virginia Tech, wasn't thriving, goes to Tennessee, gets in the hypo offense, all of a sudden he's a legitimate NFL player. Um, you're going to see that more. I saw an incredible stat that they basically all but two. Pac-12 quarterbacks are transfers. And Stanford doesn't even really do transfers, so you can kind of throw them out, okay? Proud ACC school, by the way, Stanford. But what I've been hearing from NFL people is that you're getting the Bo Nixes of the world. Um, you're getting Michael Penix, who guys who are able to go to systems where they'll thrive, they'll start. I mean, remember, Matt Castle, guys like that, they were getting drafted without even playing. If Matt Castle were born in 2000, he would have gone from USC to Cal or, or would have tried to beat out Stetson Bennett and lost, whatever, right? He would have gone to Florida State, something like that. Jordan Travis, another guy transferred from Louisville. These guys have more opportunities. And that, I think, is going to increase the, you could say, the, the amount of NFL arms that are available. I don't think there's going to be a huge rush of more Caleb Williams, by the way, another transfer or Drake May. These guys are special guys. Riley Leonard is now in the mix. What I think you are going to see is more kind of second, third, fourth round picks who are able to find the right home, the right system, play, get, get college reps that, that allow them to show the NFL, NFL style throws and go from there. So I think you're going to see an uptick in the pipeline. And I think it's going to happen pretty soon. All right, Robert Griffin III, ESPN analyst, does college and pro, one of the most charismatic guys. One of the, I'd say, Robert, like rookie of the year in sports media <laughs> last year when you started it. What's going on, man? This podcast is proud to be supported by Jets Pizza, the number one pick in Detroit-style pizza. Why? It's simple. Jets is better. With the thickest, crispiest, cheesiest Detroit-style pizza in the country, there's no competition. Right now, get $5 off any eight-corner pizza with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Go to jetspizza.com to learn more and find a location near you. Again, try Jet's signature eight-corner pizza and get $5 off with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Jet's Pizza. Better because it has to be. Not much, man. I appreciate the intro. That was awesome. And uh, welcome to the team for you, right? Uh, I'm so excited. This will be on ESPN. Yeah, it'll be ESPN's YouTube page, the, the app, everything. Every every place you'll see ESPN logo, Instagram, we're going to be every place. Um, let's start here. You just tweeted, Robert, about the Heisman rankings. Um, yes. You mentioned Colorado uh, twice, in the, including Travis Hunter. Um, 
this coach prime thing feels like it's going to work. I thought at first it was going to work because he's got recruiting juice and nobody else is going to bring guys to Boulder, Colorado. That's it. I'm like, and you just start there, but to win in week one, understanding how the transfer portal works, Robert, there's juice in Boulder, Colorado. <laughs> there is juice. And I'll tell you this, honestly, it started with Lincoln Riley. What he was, able to do at USC last year, I yeah. think encouraged more coaches to come out and say, all right, we can flip our entire roster in one season and we don't have to build a team over the course of three to four years. Now what Coach Prime has done is he's taken that and he's juiced it all the way up. We talk about juice, 87 new players. Uh, you know, just he's a unique individual and everybody can't try to coach like Deion Sanders does because that's exactly who he is. But I'm very excited. I knew the naysayers, the doubters, if he lost that first game to TCU, they were going to jump all over him. So I'm, I'm not mad at him for celebrating you know, this victory over the team that played in the, the college football final last year. Completely agree. So speaking of college football, uh, before I get to the NFL, you would tank like crazy if you were an NFL coach, right? For Caleb Williams, <laughs> for Drake May, for Riley Leonard, all these, all these fellas. Like you want a top 10 pick. What would you do if you're Jonathan Gannon right now, Monty Austin Fort, Les Snead, one of those guys? Would you say, hey man, why don't we why don't we give a look to some of the practice squad guys in games? How would you approach this? Well, I can tell you right now, all those coaches are going to tell 100% of their players we are in this to win every single week. I don't think that organizationally they're doing that. There's way too many great quarterbacks that are coming out. And if they're not happy with their current situation, I mean, right now the Pac-12, tell me it's not ironic that the Pac-12 is going away, but they might be the most exciting conference in all of college football this year. And the quarterbacks that they have, the guys that we're not even really mentioning, but at the top, of course, there's Caleb Williams, there's Drake May, there's Michael Penix, there's Bo Nix. I mean, Bo these Nix. guys are spread out all over the place, and they all play the game the way that the top quarterbacks right now play the game. They do it with their arm, they do it with their legs, and they do it with their mind. So I'm excited for these guys. Give me an NFL quarterback who's going to make the leap this year. Like most improved quarterback, a kind of, there may not, listen, there's not going to be a Jalen Hurts every single year. Like the guy that in six months we're saying like, oh man, this guy is, has, has leveled up. I think it's Justin Fields. Um, I know that there's a lot of talk about Justin Fields right now. He kind of could have been an MVP candidate last year based off how he was playing, but they weren't winning games. Right. So when you yeah. talk about that leap, I'm, I think that Justin Fields is more than capable of making a Josh Allen, Jalen Hurts type of leap. But the reason those guys made the leap was because they all got that number one wide receiver. And that's now what Justin Fields has with DJ Moore. When you talk about DJ Moore, you're bringing in, obviously, Chase Claypool. You got Cole Komet. You got Mooney there. He's got more weapons. If they can protect him this year, I think you will see that catastrophic jump from where now he's not just rushing for thousands of yards, but he's able to actually pass the football, be efficient, and throw for 25-plus touchdowns a single season. I think he can certainly do it, and DJ Moore showed us in the preseason that he's already ready to go. Is there something he needs to do with his passing to take that leap, or is it just having DJ Moore? What, what's the actual sort of mechanical, whatever you want to call it, leap, having played the position? Yeah, when you saw him last year, when he started playing better from the pocket, it was because they started utilizing his legs more. For a quarterback, no matter what level you're playing at, it's all about getting their confidence up. And I think for Justin Fields, he had went through an entire season where he, he wasn't very confident throwing the football, needless to say. But the coaching staff realized that, and they said, you know what, what does this guy do better than anyone else in the league right now? 
he can run the football. Let's mm-hmm. use that to help him get confidence in the passing game. And later on throughout the year, you saw that his passing improved drastically. Sometimes it's just about that. So now coming into this new season with new weapons, he's obviously honed in on his ability to use his feet, footwork to set up all of his throws, get his hips in alignment with the quarterback coaches that he's working with. And I think that's what's going to help him go to the next level. You can try to break it down and parse it down as much as you want. But the bottom line is a quarterback that comes into a season already confident, knowing that he has better players around him and that he can do it on his own if he has to. That's a dangerous guy. Give me the opposite. Give me a guy who's at the top tier who maybe six months from now we're saying, all right, he's dipped a little bit. Oh, man, that's tough because, listen, the quarterback position is one of the the toughest to play. So, honestly, I don't have a guy for you that I think might come tumbling down the hill because, one, we build these guys up so much in the media game that it's natural for us to just knock them down. That's right. I think right now is just talk about, hey, what what does this guy have now that – that could help him in the future. Look at it this way, Kevin. If Patrick Mahomes doesn't win the Super Bowl this year, is he a terrible quarterback? <laughs> if Jalen Hurts and the Eagles don't go 14-2, and two, is, is he just not as good of a quarterback anymore? The, the answer to both of those is, of course not. They're, they're, they're both great players, but it's really hard to win the Super Bowl every year. It's really hard to go 14-2 and two every year. So I'm not going to get into that game of trying to tear these guys down. But I will critique their play once they start playing. I asked uh, our other guests this question. I picked the Dallas Cowboys to make the Super Bowl. Am I stupid? No, not at all. You're not stupid. But you do have all of the forces of nature working against you. Okay? Explain. Because the Cowboys have been good enough for a very long time to win a Super Bowl. They have. Especially under Dak. With Tony Romo, they were good enough to win a Super Bowl. They just got to go do it. Now, do I like what they've done this offseason? Yeah, I don't think they could. They didn't need to get rid of Zeke, uh, especially with the deal that Zeke ended up getting with the Patriots. They could have probably paid him that. But you bring in Cooks, you bring in Stephon Gilmore on the defensive side, and I think that what they've been doing is making Super Bowl moves with players that they know are proven. Now it's just about just go get the job done. I do think some of that falls on Dak. At the end of the day, when you play quarterback for America's team, a lot of that's going to fall on you. Um, you got a lot of heat for your Trey Lance. Kyle Shanahan, John Lynch take. Did you expect that much heat, Robert? No, I did not expect that much heat. You know, my guy, uh, Will Compton, tried to take me on a walk, and uh, you know, I had to go ahead and, and re-deliver the walk to him. I thought that was a, a little fun exchange there, but I didn't expect that, that much heat from, from the Trey Lance uh, take because uh, I think it's very simple. If they didn't hit on Brock Purdy, they would be in hot water. This is, you know... You look at this like GMs that and head coaches that passed up on Patrick Mahomes. I mean, almost all of them have been fired, right? GMs or head coaches that miss on first round quarterbacks, they, they all get fired. So, yes, they've won a lot of games. Yes, they've been to the NFC Championship game a number of times. But like I said, during that time, we've seen coaches get fired after winning the Super Bowl. So if you miss on Lance, yes, if they don't, if they also miss on Purdy, Lance is probably still there right now. But they're in hot water because if he doesn't come to fruition in this year, it's a massive issue. They don't have that problem anymore. They put all their marbles into the Brock Purdy bag, and it's a party situation for them right now. <laughs> so you don't think that Kyle Shanahan's ability as a play caller, his ability to take quarterbacks and make them better, you don't think that that is, is automatic job security in your opinion? I think it's automatic job security as in he'll get another job. 
Right. right. Right now, he's not fired. They're not going to get fired. I don't think they'll get fired this year. Uh, I don't think they'll get fired next year because their team is so good. Right. And I do. I'm a believer in Brock Purdy. But if a guy like Cal was to get fired or John Lynch was to get fired, there's undoubtedly another organization around the NFL that will pick them up and give them another crack at it. My issue with Trey Lance and Kyle is that I thought that Trey Lance would allow Kyle and the 49ers to take that next step as a team because Kyle loves guys that are predictable, right? Look at even uh, our team in Washington with myself and Kirk Cousins. Kirk was a guy that they knew, hey, if we draw this play up, he's going to go boom, 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 get it to where we think it should go. Whereas guys like myself – Jalen Hurts, Patrick Mahomes, all these guys, there's a little more creativity to the game. It's not that you're trying to draw outside the lines, but you do. And I thought Trey could provide that for Kyle because that's kryptonite. Anybody, Kyle's a control freak. Brock Purdy gives him a little bit of both worlds. He gives him the predictability of, hey, he's going to go through his reads and do this, 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 this. But he can also create on the back end and they just liked it more from Brock than they got it from Trey. And I understand that. And I'm hoping the best for Trey uh, in Dallas or wherever his career takes him. But I do think that Kyle needs a guy that can can kind of take the edge off for him and make some plays that aren't called in the playbook. Piggybacking off of what you just said, do you feel like you had a little bit of creative differences with Kyle? No, I don't think so at all. I think that like when you look at backup quarterbacks in this league, right? Now, how many backup quarterbacks really threaten the starter? Really none of them. Four right? or five in a given year at most? Yeah, not, not too many. But when you look at Kyle and the guys he's had the most success with in his career, it's myself, obviously, my rookie year in Washington. It's Matt Ryan in Atlanta. And then, of course, it's Jimmy G, which makes you wonder why did he want to get rid of Jimmy G so bad? I don't think there's creative differences there. I think with Matt Ryan, he got the best of everything he was looking for. A guy that is going to go through his reads and make the plays, who is a veteran, and they had Matt a lot of skill around them, right? He's built that again in San Fran. For me and, and Kyle in Washington, I don't think there was any creative differences at all. I think it was more of, um, how do you say this? Coaches, players all throughout the league, you've ran into this probably. Everybody's got somewhat of an ego and everybody wants to take credit for whatever is going on. It's a lot harder for a coach to take credit for what a guy like Patrick Mahomes is doing, who is super creative, as opposed to taking credit for taking Matt Schaub or Matt Ryan or Jimmy Garoppolo to the NFC Championship game. So I never had any issues when it came to that. We just didn't have enough time to, to work together. We only got two years there in D.C. And now uh, that's a whole other can of worms. <laughs> Is it a Kyle thing or was that just an ownership thing? I mean, what was it? I mean, I've heard you say that you felt like you weren't protected enough in that system. Um, can you just expand on what you think happened? Um, you know, just to, to talk about like the protection within the system, like just to talk about Kyle's system in general, uh, they can run anything they want, anything. Pro style, woes type of offense, college, bubble screen, zone read. You probably noticed this, that the offense was different with me than it was with Kirk, than it was yep. with Matt Ryan, than it was with Matthew Schaub, than it is with Trey Lance. They have the ability to adapt to all those things, and I think that's one of the great things about the offense. Um, I think with Trey, what I noticed was there was a heavy reliance on what he can do with his legs, 
and maybe not as much trust as what he could do with his arm in the play action game. But that's only because we got a very small sample size, but to really pinpoint and say, hey, here was the issue with that. In, in Washington, it was more so of a, a, a ton of infighting between the head coach and the owner. Right. That, that was going on before I, before I ever got there. So, you know, with, with Kyle, I don't know how he got mixed up in that or if he got mixed up in that. I just know that there was a massive fight going on between the head coach and the owner. And that had nothing <laughs> to do with me, had nothing to do with Kyle. And, uh, you know, at the end of the day, D.C. now has a new ownership with Josh Harris. Yeah. So I think that's, that's everybody can can get on board with and move forward with. I know this is a big and heavy question. Do you wish you were drafted somewhere else? Uh, to be honest with you, I don't. Okay. Um, you know, my journey and everything that's happened made me a better person, better man, uh, better husband. To be quite honest with you, it's the only reason that I've been able to be the type of broadcaster that I've been. Because I've been there and I understand when unfair narratives get created that aren't true and people start speaking on things that they, that they don't know about uh, and how it can hurt a player. So I make sure I don't do those things. Uh, but to say, hey, man, I wish I was drafted here. I don't ever do that in my own mind. To answer the question, uh, would my career have gone differently if I was drafted somewhere else? Yes. But then I wouldn't have the testimony that I have today to be able to share with the masses and, and truly enjoy the game the way that I do. That's, that's beautiful. What a beautiful answer. Um, last thing for you, Robert. Uh, we do a thing called Statue of Limitations Theater. It's a story, a funny story, a great story. It doesn't matter what it is. It is a story you feel like you can tell now that maybe you weren't a few years ago, whatever. Uh, just tell us a, a story that really sticks out about your career, especially if it's a time, a time in Washington um, that you, you, you feel uh, is, is ready to be told. Yeah, I mean, oh, that's a tough one, man. Because there's a bunch of stories, obviously, that, that we all want to tell. Some I can't, you know, uh, just because of the teammates that are involved. Of course. I tell them, but one story I would tell, you know, there's, there's actually two stories. So one was oh, before I got drafted. Uh, you remember Washington traded up to, to yep. get the, the second. So uh, the night before Washington made that trade, I'm sitting at a dinner with my quarterback coach that was training me during the draft process named Terry Shea. Really renowned, respected coach, been in the NFL for many, many years. He puts out three, three cards in front of me, three NFL cards. And he says, I want you to pick one. So I'm like, okay, cool. You know, what are we, is he doing a magic trick or something? Uh, I picked the middle card and it's a uh, Chris Cooley, Washington Redskins card. The next day, the Redskins traded up to number two pick in the draft. And I was told that they were going to pick me. So I looked at my quarterback coach, <laughs> At our next trading session, I'm like, how did you know that that was going on? Who told you something? He said, no, no, not, not, nothing happened here. It just so happened to be that that's what it ended up being. So I don't know what's going on, but the universe conspired. And that's why you said, hey, would I rather get drafted, drafted somewhere else? It's like, no, this was meant to be whatever. Are you trained by David Blaine? What the hell is that? <laughs> <laughs> oh, incredible. my goodness. It was, it was wild. No, it was what's wild. The, what's the and, second story? Second story is uh, the famous run against the Minnesota Vikings. Of course. 70 yards down the sideline, okay? So that was not the play. It was not supposed to be that. There was uh, some confusion in the post game that quarterback draw called. It was not a quarterback draw. It was a very simple concept that we called called double Winston. You got a nine stop on one side, a spray scout on the other side with an in and out and a basic. Uh, route in out of a bunch. So we got double A gap blitz 
uh, in that situation. All we're trying to do is get the first down. So when we when I dropped back to pass, I was working the short side of the field and they brought the double leg gap blitz. I thought I was hot. I was not hot. So when I took off running, it was just an instinctual thing. But as I'm running towards the sideline, Kevin, everyone on the side is hot. Because all we needed was the first down, run the clock out, game's over. And I'm looking at them as I'm running the sideline. I'm like, what are y'all talking about? I'm about to go score. <laughs> and there's a funny part, there's a funny part of that play that when I'm passing Kyle Shanahan on the sideline, he's going from like get down to touchdown. <laughs> it, it, was, it was a funny moment for me because I could see it all happening in slow-mo on the field, but I knew I was gonna go score, and that was what happened. Robert Griffin the third, incredible debut episode thank you so much for coming on this is football man your hair looks phenomenal by the way i can't lie about that i know i know (laughs) that's what i've been telling people that's people are criticizing the cartoon we'll pull up the cartoon everybody says it doesn't look like me i'm sorry it looks like me it's the hair it's all people were saying that look like Kirk cousins in that photo it's just not true it's just not true (laughs) awesome man thanks so much appreciate y'all god bless Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today.